Hello, you're listening to Panam, the podcast where we discover some of the less savoury stories from Paris's long history. Come with me today to find out about a very curious window display and the most kissed woman of Paris, or maybe the world. Cité. Cité. I've come to the Eau de la Cité. If you find yourself here, it's probably because you've come to visit Notre Dame. But if you were visiting Paris in the late 1800s, it's more than likely you were here for a very different attraction. On the tip of the island, just behind the cathedral, there used to stand the public morgue between 1865 and 1907. It replaced the previous morgue from 1805, which had also been public but had been destroyed by Haussmann's remodelling of the city. They took advantage to renovate and make it larger. The morgue was incredibly popular. They chose this location as it was ideal, central and easy to get to, and also close to the Seine, as lots of the bodies they found had been browned. It was public, and that means it was open seven days a week from morning through to night, free of charge, and anyone at all could enter. And indeed, it became one of the must-sees in Paris and drew huge crowds. Sometimes thousands per day would file through to examine the unclaimed dead. Now what exactly would they see when they went in? When they entered into the morgue, they would look through a huge window and laid out neatly on inclining slabs, all the better to see them, would be two rows of six corpses, displayed. Now, adding an extra thrill to these already murky proceedings, they were displayed naked, just a cloth draped over their private parts. Their clothes were hung up on a peg beside them. The idea was that these poor unfortunate victims of accident or suicide or even sometimes thrillingly murder would be recognised and claimed, and thus the public were helping the police, or perhaps that's what they told themselves. In all of Europe it was only in Paris that this type of public display took place. But it was not only Parisians who enjoyed it. Tourists and locals came in their droves to gawp. The very word morgue comes from an old word meaning to stare, which is exactly what they did. It was written about in guidebooks alongside the Eiffel Tower and other typical Parisian attractions. And what was so delightful, especially to the English Victorian traveller, was not only the rather obscene display behind the windows, but the possibility of rubbing shoulders with the working classes and slumming it, as they'd call it. Dickens was a regular visitor. He described the morgue as an old acquaintance and a strange sight which I've contemplated many times during the last dozen years. As is the way, vendors sprung up to cater for the needs of the people waiting in line, supplying refreshment, food and even toys for the children. People were particularly keen to visit the morgue if there was an unusual or thrilling body to be found. Children drew especially large crowds. In 1895, the display of two very unfortunate drowned little girls brought around 10,000 people through the doors within the first four days of them going on display. They were so popular that they were kept on show, and when they started to rot, makeup was added so they could be shown a little bit longer. A security guard even had to be brought in to control the crowds lining up to see the infamous and unlucky woman cut into two pieces, who, as you have probably already worked out, had been killed and cut in half, the two parts dumped into the River Seine. Yet despite the crowds, an estimated 300,000 after two weeks, none were able to identify her. Instead, a song was written about giving advice to any would-be future murderers to burn the body, rather than dump it in the Seine if they wanted to get away with it and not become Paris's next most popular attraction. 
I feel this makes it clear that the morgue was really just a form of entertainment, a sort of tragic museum, rather than a place that people went to identify one's missing friends, relatives or victims. Speaking of victims, in Zola's story Thérèse Roquin, Lauren murders Camille, drowning him in order to facilitate his affair which he's having with Thérèse. The guilt makes him a daily visitor to the morgue, searching for the body in order, well I suppose, to bring a conclusion to this terrible event. Maybe for this reason the description is particularly gruesome, but nonetheless I thought you might enjoy it. So here goes. For over a week, he went and examined the countenance of all the drowned persons extended on the slabs. While some retained their natural condition in the rigidity of death, others seemed like lumps of bleeding and decaying meat. At the back, against the wall, hung some lamentable rags, petticoats and trousers puckered against the bare plaster. A melodious sound of running water broke the silence. Little by little he distinguished the bodies and went from one to the other. It was only the drown that interested him. When several human forms were there, swollen and blued by the water, he looked at them eagerly, seeking to recognise Kami. Frequently, the flesh on the faces had gone away by strips, the bones had burst through the mellow skins, the visages were like lumps of boned boiled beef. <sighs> that is a pretty gruesome description, but I think it gives you a little bit of an idea, maybe, of what it might have been like. The morgue was not refrigerated until 1882, before then cold water, as just described by Zola, was dripped onto the bodies in an attempt to preserve them. For this reason they could only be displayed for about three days, and then a wax model or photograph would be substituted. Interestingly then, the most famous person to have ever been displayed was actually a model. It was a death mask of a young woman who became known as l'inconnue de la Seine, the unknown woman of the Seine. Camus described this model as the drowned Mona Lisa, which is very fitting as her story is both mysterious and her smile enigmatic. She was a young woman whose body was found in 1880 and who was believed to have committed suicide by throwing herself into the river. The story goes that her beauty and peaceful expression resulted in the death mask being made and displayed then outside the modeler's shop. It became immensely popular with the public, who speculated about her story and identity, and at one time it was said that no drawing room in France was complete without her model. Her popularity in turn inspired writers, poets and photographers. We can include Nobokov, Rilke and Man Ray in this. Her death mask makes us think of the tragic drowned woman from literature, like Ophelia, rather than anything that Zola might describe. She looks so alive, like she's just about to open her eyes, and like she's thinking about something beautiful. Experts agree, however, that most victims of drowning are not so composed. And it's for this reason that doubt has been cast onto whether the model was indeed a drowned woman, or rather a living one. No one really knows, but as is the case with most good stories, we want to believe the story. Then, in 1955, a Norwegian toy maker was approached to make a CPR dummy. He was inspired to use her face for the model, having seen one at his grandparents' house. The model remains in use to this day. The woman may be unknown and drowned many years ago, but since then, thousands have tried to resuscitate her. So what happened to the morgue? Well, in 1907 it was closed down and moved from the Ile de la Cité. 
Today, behind Notre Dame, you'll find a memorial to the victims of the Second World War. At the time of its closing, however, the merchants were furious and petitioned the municipal council, claiming that the closure had hurt their business and demanding tax breaks. But there had been increasing demand for it to shut, both from the press and the public, who were claiming that it was corrupting morals, while others rightly pointed out that it was not very useful as only a very small number of bodies were ever identified at the morgue. From now on, Parisians and tourists would have to get their thrills elsewhere. Luckily, Paris had plenty to keep them entertained. Today, Parisian window displays are a lot less macabre. Indeed, they're their own art form. During Christmas, the department stores like Galerie Lafayette and Printemps really go to town making magical and, I suppose, costly displays in order to entice and entertain. People go to Faire les Vitrines, or Do the Windows, and see what they've come up with this year, bringing their children with them to enjoy the show, with no intention of necessarily even going in. There is another expression which I particularly enjoy, lèche vitrine, window licking, for what I would call window shopping, which evokes the idea of people literally panting, their tongues hanging out before the fabulous goods on show. Thankfully, these days, it's shoes rather than corpses. Thanks again for listening. I hope you did enjoy this episode. Don't miss out on future episodes by subscribing on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Look on the website panampodcast.com for more pictures and you can find us on Twitter and uh, Instagram, Facebook, all the usual places. That's it for now. Take care. Bye bye.